we're here for the long haul because this is home. This isn't, you know, an appliance that they purchased or something very transitory. This is the most important place in most people's lives. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli. And on this podcast, I chat with multifamily and prop tech experts to learn how you can reach more renters, sign more leases, and maximize the value of your assets. And today, I have two special guests on the show, David Frattini, managing partner at Rentals for Newcomers, who I interviewed over a year ago on the podcast, and Jesse Greenwell, head of communications, culture, and inclusivity at Main Street Equity, Canada's leading real estate corporation on the TSA specializing in mid-market apartment buildings in Western Canada. David, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. Pleasure to be here. Excited <laughs> to speak with your audience. No problem. That was a bit of a mouthful. I'm almost out of breath, but uh, let, let's, get, let's get going. This conversation has been months I would say years in the works, and I'll discuss that later, but I spoke to Bob Dylan, uh, actually Mitch, our former host, also spoke to Bob more than a year ago, early pandemic days. So this is really just kind of bringing that conversation almost two years, I think, in the making. So Canada will hit its 1.4 million immigrant target this year and has the same target for the next three years. So obviously the demand for rental units, I mean, it's already huge within the country, but as immigration continues to come through, it's going to remain incredibly competitive. This continuous unending vital stream of newcomers to Canada is going to have a tremendous impact not only on landlords and availability, but also on multifamily and individual rental investments for years to come. So I'd love to hear from both of you about how rentals for newcomers and Main Street equity are navigating this increasing increasing demand for student rentals. I recall last year, like I said, we or two years ago, we had a conversation with Bob Dylan, founder and CEO of Main Street Equity, and he mentioned a number of statistics about the growth in Calgary, especially in Alberta, uh, for international students. He mentioned that according to the government of Canada, international students contributed 16.2 billion and 19.7 billion to Canada's GDP in 2017 and 2018. And Main Street Equity has been heavily investing in revitalizing multifamily rentals to cater to these types of renters. Jesse, can you elaborate on what you've seen in Western Canada over the past year or two years and how Main Street has created additional supply for student rental housing? I'm very happy to. Thank you for the great question. Again, thank you for having us on. It's uh, such a great podcast. We're big fans of Main Street. <laughs> awesome. That's great to hear. <laughs> just, just as Bob said two years ago, the surge in demand is exceptional. I mean, I don't think he, he even was able to foresee the extent to which Calgary and how quickly sure. Calgary in particular among our Western Canadian markets would see an unprecedented surge in demand. Now, in order to sort of address what we saw coming, what he did see coming in terms of that, that surge, mm -hmm. it was really important to us that we continued our expansion throughout these, this period where there was a lot of questions about, there was a lot of uncertainty. We saw that there was nevertheless, despite that climate, no substantial change in the housing supply coming, not in terms of policy, not in terms of new construction announcements, et cetera. So for us, it made sense, given the uh, fiscal environment at the time, especially, but especially anticipating that demand, to continue to acquire more buildings and put them through our value cycle so that we're able to reposition them as quality, affordable apartments for new Canadians, including international students, and in particular, international students, including buildings like University Tower, mm. purchased near the uh, University of Alberta in Edmonton, which has just been a great, great success in terms of uh, making sure that we're able to provide affordable rentals near campus to international students. Awesome. I will ask, and I know this isn't part of my questions, but are you seeing like full occupancy in these buildings? I mean, as student rentals, usually I would assume that they they would be, but what what are you kind of seeing right now? I know that maybe there's some 
trickling students coming in. It's been a weird kind of like yeah. start to the school year, the first year back for everybody. So yeah. And and again, there's still, unfortunately, we're, we're still hearing so much about the IRCC processing delays that otherwise we'd have even more students right now. Right. But yeah, no, no, you're making a really good point. The reality is that uh, it's it's become incredibly competitive even for traditional renters in these markets, domestic renters that would uh, you know normally occupy this with or without the presence of international students. But then the presence of student populations obviously really creates, uh, it exacerbates the problem to an extent. Exactly. And these students are a major benefit to Canada, right? Totally. So, so I want to make it clear. It is, the problem is with our housing supply, not with these great people that want to come and take advantage of our uh, educational institutions, contribute to our economy, but, but this is creating a lot of issues across the board. So basically, the, the way I sum this up is at the end of the day, we are having unprecedented levels of, of demand that are met by very little vacancy. So as much as as quickly as we can try and get units turned over, we're doing that so that we can make sure we have supply. But it doesn't matter how quickly we acquire. We are not gaining in terms of having more to offer people because that demand is so, uh, sorry, that expansion, everything is so outpaced by the demand. And this is, as you know, from your right, of course. recent report in primary and secondary. Right, right. Now I'm leading to my next question to David. Now that we are entering kind of the fall market and, and majority of on-campus housing normally has been scooped up at this point, what are your recommend recommendations for those who may be entering the country later in the year? How can they best locate off-campus accommodations at this time? Well, thank you, Nicolina, for the question. I, and, and just before I answer that question, I also wanted to address those numbers that you raised that, you, mm -hmm. uh, that Bob Dylan had, uh, you, you referenced, uh, the 1.4 million people arriving. It's really important, I think, for your audience to understand as well, what is that, that composition? Because some of that group is, you know, temporary foreign workers who have completely different, different needs. Sure. Some of that group is international students. And they're really, you know, while there are more than 700,000 international students studying in Canada, there's almost 250,000 that are arriving who are net new into the Canadian marketplace every year. Right. And in addition, and included in that number, there are 460,000 permanent residents that are arriving in Canada. And when you, you know, think about that number and think about household size, we're estimating that really that permanent resident number suggests there's probably about a need for 200,000 households. Right. And the bulk of these people are looking for rental accommodation. So as Jesse was talking about, you know, the surge in demand is certainly outpacing supply, which brings us back to then, you know, what should students be doing and what should permanent residents be doing? Mm -hmm. We really focus on trying to make sure our audience of both international students and permanent residents understand three really important things. They need to be doing their research early in the game, before they arrive and not after they arrive. So they need to research the marketplace in which they intend to land. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they need to really understand how they have to sell themselves as, potentially, as potential tenants and valuable tenants right from that initial inquiry. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, when they arrive for that meeting with that discussion with the landlord, they better be prepared. Landlords have the pick of the crop. So you need to understand what does the marketplace look like in the first place? Mm -hmm. How do you make sure you get your the attention of that prospective superintendent who's evaluating that first inquiry? And when you show up, how do you make sure you are really prepared so that if that unit is right for you, you're ready to sign the deal. 
those three things are really critically important for our audience, whether they be international students mm -hmm. or permanent residents. And we're really working hard to make sure that our audience understands each of these three stages. And we go into great detail, both on our site, through webinars that we conduct, et cetera. And I think the relevance for, for your audience that's listening is we want to make sure that we're sending really high quality leads to you as a prospect as a prospective landlord. Right. So it's it's really important for us to make sure that our audience knows how they can make sure they're 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 selling themselves to prospective landlords. I'm gonna kind of move a little bit through this and come back to another question later. But given that, I mean, obviously not every landlord feels confident in renting to students. So how can student renters best secure a rental with prospective landlords? Like what is what are the what are the steps they need to take in order to really shine and be seen as quality and not potentially delinquent renters? Either of you can chime in. I'm sure you both have had have knowledge on this, but Jesse, but by all means, go ahead. Of course. And he knows my <laughs> passion for this particular question only because we've recently had a discussion under ourselves. Look, the, the main thing is credibility, credibility, credibility. You need to be the most attractive prospect to that landlord. That means okay. putting in everything from, I mean, you want to make sure that you're showered wearing clean clothes on the day that you show up. References. If you don't have the traditional references, try and find some ersatz references. So let's say that most applications, of course, one thing we generally look for is another landlord reference to say, you know, this was another person I did business with. They were, my experience with them was they paid on time, blah, blah, blah. Well, many newcomers obviously don't have that. And they also don't have credit established in Canada. Sure. So in that case, I would say, Whatever you can get, if you went to, if you can get letters from uh, your teachers back home saying you were a quiet student, that should address some of the concerns that people generally have about students. Mm. If you are working, you know, you've landed in Canada and you've managed to obtain employment before you found a permanent home, but you know what I mean, a rental home. Mm -hmm. It's literally anything you can do to make yourself stand out, have all of your financials easily presented. That means if you're showing financial estate, uh, account statements, sorry, from another country in another currency, even have a Google printout next to it showing a date and time, what the currency was worth and what it translates to Canadian dollars. Make, leave the, the smallest room possible for error so that there's almost no room for error whatsoever, mm -hmm. no room for misinterpretation and do everything you can. Treat it like a job interview. Right. You are not the traditional customer going in where they need to impress you. You are now the one who's trying to sell them on yourself in order to get a place. Yeah. I mean, I even I even feel like that's becoming the norm for casual renters who are local as well, too. Like they're really that's having right. to compete. So, I mean, knowing that the general population who already lives here is competing with one another, you know, you've got to really bring all your all your cards on the table and, and really have yeah. a solid deck. <laughs> you have to step up your game. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I will ask Jesse, what are some of the protocols you are taking to safeguard against potentially delinquent renters? So for us, there's there's obviously there, there's a number of things that we put into place. We do run credit checks. We do mm -hmm. get landlord references, et cetera. But of course, with new Canadians, that's uh, it's much harder for them. They don't have the credit history. So we'll bypass it, but we generally try and take a more holistic approach to those applications. We want to see why they're in Canada. It's important to remember as well, landlords should, should know by virtue of having study permits, work permits, whatever, a degree of vetting has already been performed by the government of Canada. And I doubt that most landlords, right. as proud as we are of our internal systems and our teams, I don't think we have resources that outstrip them on uh, evaluating prospects in that sense. Sure. We also, though, work with a lot of excellent partner agencies. Um, so while Rentals for Newcomers are, are a great example of a partner agency in one phase of the process, there are other partner agencies as well. You know, for instance, when we had Ukrainian refugees coming in, mm -hmm. so their first point of contact will generally be Ukrainian Congress, okay. who may then refer them to a city-based and so through the referral through those programs, they're also further vetted a little bit, right? Of course. If they, you know, they're making sure that they're they're 
presenting the best prospects. So it's honestly, it's in every situation, it's a little bit unique. And we we try and uh, make sure that we're doing whatever we can to give each application the fairest, fullest evaluation. Because it's also in our interest to make sure that we're not losing a great prospect, right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to overlook someone that could be a long-term renter for, you know, in one of your main street buildings for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. You never know, right? We've got some people who've been in the same place that long and longer. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Another question for you, Jesse, and and this will be the last one till I I move on to a question for David, but how are you best reaching your ideal renter profile with your marketing right now? We are a marketing podcast as well. So I'd love to hear kind of how you're reaching them and kind of letting them know we are open to student renters. We are, you know, this is, this is what we're, our bread and butter is, is these type of young up and coming renters. So yeah. So of course, a big part of that, I mean, we use every avenue available to establish a really strong brand identity that lets people know who we are. So they can already kind of tell that we're a good fit and that we have Mm -hmm. buildings everywhere helps as well. We're not like other companies in in a lot of the ways we do business. And And that's one big thing, I think. But we need to communicate that, of course. So how do we get that message to market? That is through stuff like our partnership with RFN, where we uh, co-produce content to some extent. We'll we'll work with them. uh, They'll work with us. And together, we're able to get that message out to our target audience. We also, of course, social media is absolutely huge. So whenever someone is going to our Instagram, you know, there's a lot of companies and, and you can take a look at their social media. And it's basically just here's something we want you to know. Here's 10 days that we thought we should recognize on social media. It almost looks like a calendar with a few employee photos scattered in. And so we've really tried to take a different tack. And we've tried to say, look, it's not about what we want you to know about us. Right. It's what do you need to want to want to hear from us? What do you want to know about us? We really try and take that customer facing perspective, you know, the, take the customer's perspective. So that means content designed to inform people about renting in Canada. We've got lobby screens in partnership with a company called Vertical City that puts uh, screens in our elevators and many of our lobbies. So we have multiple ways to communicate there as well. And what's interesting is mm-hmm. we can, based on the linguistic, you know, whatever language is more dominant in a certain building, we can make sure that we're serving all of our clients. And that includes referral business, which is also a great way of getting people in who are coming from tenants that we generally already know are good tenants tend to have great friends, right? right? Great customers have have great friends as well. We've taken a a much more sort of gentle tone with a lot of our uh, communications to customers since since I've started working on communications here a few years ago. We, We really are trying to be, again, more empathetic. We want to work through this with them. You know, we're here for the long haul because this is home. This isn't, you know, an appliance that they purchased or something very transitory. This is the most important place in most people's lives. Yeah. Beyond that, we make sure that we are, are inclusivity stickers and things to indicate everyone is welcome at all of our buildings. I think that puts us kind of a notch above a lot of a lot of the competition, not to denigrate whatsoever. That's unique. That's unique. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, you'll find that sticker on every Main Street building and, it, and it's to demonstrate that inclusivity and to say everyone is welcome here, but it also lets everyone else in the building know everyone is welcome here. So your ideas that might be less welcoming to other people can stay in your home, in your head, but, but really we want to have a great community here where, where everybody feels safe and welcome. Also, again, it's those organizations I mentioned previously partnering with a lot of those groups like uh, Calgary Catholic Immigration Services, the people who are on the ground as well. That's been incredibly helpful because they're able to take our message forward. And we don't give them a script or any sort of key. We just say, tell them the truth about your experience with us. Tell them what, what has happened. And it continues to drive people to us. The last thing I would just mention is something incredibly basic, and we put a lot of thought and strategy into where our signage is. We make it easy to find us, easy to know where our locations are, and if you're interested in the location, we make it easy to rent there. And I think there's something about just having your brand, the address, and the phone number in very clear letters, and the website, of course, URL, in very clear, basic 
format so that you're not putting all this copy and that on there so that you're reaching the maximum audience possible with impactful branded signage. We get a lot of business that way as well. Old school, but still works. No, it, it it works for sure. And I, I do agree with you. Um, I mean, I'm a copywriter slash communications person and marketer. So I always struggle often with trying to, you know, explain that you don't need a lot of copy to get the message across. Like you just need your main, yeah. your main points. Where do you want them to go? That's, that's the goal, right? You don't need to have eight different benefits and takeaways on your billboard. You just need that that call to action and and make them visually engaged. So I think that it is, you exactly. know, it is boiled down to the basics, right? Sorry, but just to say, because you just, the visual engagement, meeting them where they are, that's one reason that one thing we've been doing a lot of lately, and it's just a resounding success, is we have one of our own marketing people who was an international student themselves, Addy Brar, uh, just an absolute expert in the area. We've got him making TikToks for us with just a series of them addressing different questions that people have, but also kind of giving the insights from the experience that only someone who's gone through it has done. So they know that we get it because we are a company that is comprised of immigrants. We are a company that is comprised of, of Canadians of all kinds. And so someone here has lived your experience and can reach out to you with that empathy and, and can make sure that our communications and our messaging is informed by that. No, that's per- that's perfect. I, I think that, that that's a genius way to utilize TikTok in a way that's relatable to your your target audience. So I think that's some some wisdom there to share. And I'm sure some landlords are going to be you. listening to this being like, oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I do have a question for you, David. Obviously, we've been seeing an increase in, 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 you know, scammers on Facebook Marketplace, much as what has happened with Kijiji and Craigslist. How does Rentals for Newcomers combat scammers on its site? Well, we're lucky enough to have built our platform leveraging the RentSync backend. And most of your listeners will be familiar with uh, RentSync capabilities. You know, RentSync is certainly recognized in the industry as a leader in sort of both marketing and technology solutions. Absolutely. Uh, one part of those technology solutions are sort of their, their uh, automated sort of listing verification processes. Mm-hmm. So that's been built into, into the back end. But also importantly, our listings are managed, there's a manual process as well. So RentSync personnel know who the people are that are getting these listings up. So there's that manual check as well. Right. So that's one part of what we're doing to make sure that we're verifying listings. It's both uh, technology-driven and manually driven. The other part of this is we're working diligently to educate our audience on scam alerts right so we're you know through rentals for newcomers blog posts we're constantly updating our blog post that is about scams in this category Mm -hmm. so that we're educating our audience to be alert and we're giving them updates on scams that they should be avoiding and you know back to you know the significance for for you know the the audience listening again it i want to reinforce that you know if you're putting your listings in our environment there's because of this vetting process we're we're trying to ensure that we're not posing reputational risk to your operation because you know we we've been lacked Sure. In vetting listings. It's really, really important to us. No, obviously, I just wanted to add to that and say, as an international or student immigrant coming in, looking at rental listing sites that they may not be familiar with, they may not know what to look out for in terms of scammers and and what they should keep their eye on as they're looking at a completely different listing site and, and just operation. So it it's important, like you said, to educate and inform them on how to, to spot those potential scammers so that they know the signs and because they, they just they just won't know they, they they otherwise they're they may be coming from every i 
feel like every country has a different way of listing rental listings and have their own dominant listing sites. And so it's going to be all new to them. So everything is going to be new. So that's probably the last thing they're thinking about is someone's trying to scam me. Now, adding to that, not necessarily on the, the scam scamming side, but becoming a renter, becoming a renter in Canada. What are your thoughts on renter's insurance? Is it worth purchasing for an international student or an immigrant? Obviously, they probably don't have a surplus of extra money, but what does that give them and is it worth it? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. So it's critically important, and we work really hard to educate our audience on the importance of renter's insurance. We explain to our audience that most landlords, if not all landlords, require tenant's insurance to begin with. Okay. We educate our audience on why tenant's insurance is of benefit to the individual renter as well as, as, as the landlord, right. but why it's important to them as a renter. So we really want to make sure that they understand that. And also, we've made it very easy for our newcomer audience to purchase a tenant's insurance. We've partnered with AHA Insurance. Uh, we've got a great digital solution for, uh, for, international, for permanent residents and international students. We've developed a program that is price competitive and very comprehensive. So we educate our audience on, on the fact that most landlords are going to require it. Uh, we educate them on the benefits of tenants insurance to them. We make it easy for them to purchase tenants insurance. And we stress this is, you know, an important selling point when, when you either make that first in, mm -hmm. inquiry or, and or you show up for that meeting, right. stress that you understand the importance of tenants insurance and that you're prepared to get it. Right, right. So no, tenants insurance, critically important. Jesse, do you have anything to add to that? Absolutely. Only because David, excellent points, excellent points. Everything he said, I 100% back. But just to even go further, people need to understand one thing about tenants insurance in particular. There's a lot of misunderstandings about what the landlord's duty is, what responsibilities they have in certain circumstances. The reason that so many landlords mandate and, and ab absolutely require as a condition of the lease that people have that is because let's say there was a company a couple of years ago i'm trying to remember where it was somewhere anyway it was in the midst of the the cold one of the coldest winters we'd had in in a long time and in one of the worst stretches in that winter and a boiler went out in this uh, building now it was covid there was our you know supply chain difficulties were just starting to emerge but they were really beginning in earnest at that point so getting this part getting let alone a whole new boiler in it was not going to be a quick process. And, and, you know, space heaters just don't cut it when you get to certain temperatures. Sure. And every person in that building was able to make sure that they were comfortable, safe in a hotel because they had tenants insurance. Wow. Anyone that didn't, it was, you know, in some cases, the landlord may be nice. Maybe they have the resources. Maybe they're going to pay out of pocket. Right. To help you during that circumstance. But there's a lot of smaller landlords and it's not even about whether or not they're kind enough to. They simply don't have the capital. Of course. They are running so slim already on the margins that they have with the buildings they run. You know, not everybody's an ACAP. Not every building's an ACAP. It's important to remember that. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. And so tenant insurance will ensure that you are never left outside in the middle of Canadian winter or inside feeling like it's outside because it's so bloody cold. Right. So what I'd really advise is carry it because that 15, 10 to $15 a month, sometimes it may be, I've heard as high as 20, but it's such a small amount of money relative to the amount of security it affords you. Yeah. And especially when you're coming from outside of Canada, you think, you know, Canadian winter, even Canadians that have lived here for 50 years are still learning new things occasionally about Canadian winter. I, I promise you. <laughs> Absolutely. 
as someone from Southern Ontario, I feel like I still don't fully know Canadian winter <laughs> compared to, you know, BC winter. So it's yeah. it's a very vast country and there's a lot of variances. And I even exactly. saw someone actually on TikTok say that they were, I think they were in BC right now and it was six degrees. And I'm like, it's 22 here. What's going on? Like, how right? is that even possible that it's six degrees right now somewhere in the same country? But it is. Nothing makes um, sense I mean, there. other than the northern part. But he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't in the northern territories or none of it or anything it was he was he's some somewhere somewhere relatively within the same region but not that close so yeah it's definitely a shock for a lot of people i've seen even when it's 15 16 degrees the the culture and climate shock of people yeah. wearing like coats in offices and stuff like that and they're like why is it so cold so uh yeah definitely important just based on that alone to have tenant yeah. insurance and and to make sure that you're you're safe in case a boiler goes out and as they do in in the winter time and pipes burst and all that that stuff can happen it's just the nature of a, of a building right it is the nature of a building. And especially if you're not, like you said, in, in a class A building, there's nothing wrong with being in a class B or class C building. Some of them are, are beautiful and well-maintained and, and people yeah. take good care of them, but they're, they're, they have older, they may have, you know, they may have been constructed in the 1970s and maybe just have older kind of mechanisms. So you just never exactly. know, right? And, and anything can go at any point. Everything has to go eventually. But sorry, yeah, great points. It does. Yes. No, it does. I I mean, I have one one rental and I I counted the amount of times that things did not go right this past summer where someone was there. And I was just like, how is this possible? You get prepared, you make it all happen for them, yeah. and you think you've got everything ready, and then you just you can never fully prepare for what might happen. It just happens. So you try to do your best. And, and a lot of people, you know, they give landlords a lot of flack, but it is, it is work. It is a full-time job for a lot of them. So it's not, it's not just easy. And if you've got multiple rentals and you're managing them all and more than one is having issues, then that's just, you know, (laughs) There's only so many people and so many hands. That's it. So anyway, I digress. I digress. So from a more general perspective, Jesse, since we spoke to Maintree, like I said, quite quite early on in the pandemic, would you be able to share some of the kind of the long-term changes you made as a result over the last two and a half years in terms of kind of how you market, which you've kind of told me about, how you sign leases, and even your resident experience? Absolutely. So obviously, COVID created so much change for so many organizations. You know, a lot of uh, everything shifted remotely, as we know, to the greatest extent possible. And that included viewings of apartments, showings of apartments, but in many cases, uh, even rentals, because people were, you know, there was occasionally you'd have a well-funded sort of adventurous student who was hoping that their application, you know, that they would be able to get over to Canada. And so they were willing to pay the first month's rent just to make sure that they could secure a place because they were worried about the market conditions and that. So you needed to have, you know, you, you had ended up doing a lot of sort of bespoke, sort of specially tailored sort of rentals during that time. Only, but but there's only a certain number of those policies that really persisted and have become almost the course of doing business. So I would say virtual showings and renting remotely, huge. We've accelerated, in fact, because of that, the implementation of our online application software. Now, we, we do have a variant of an online, it's sort of an ERSAT's online applications that's been in place since COVID started, but it's not fully integrated with the rest of our management system. So we're, we're, we're getting that official implementation and, and then it'll be just a seamless process for everybody. At present, though, we're proud that it's at least seamless for the customer. Right. Beyond that, we have, I have to say, resident experiences remain relatively consistent just because we're already a company that does full service everything in-house. You know, we, we, are, we stepped up our sanitization throughout that period. Mm-hmm. But one thing I would say is, again, that, that more frequent cleaning that has stayed. We've also created with our acquisition streak a lot more options for transferring. So as jobs started to, you know, employment situations became really volatile and the employment market became really volatile over the last few years, people need to be able to move and transfer sometimes. Now, less so with students who are generally in one building because of close to the school, 
But other newcomers, David, I'm sure you're, you're having similar feedback on your end, are also in a position where they may need to move for work. Maybe even it's just across town. Sometimes it can be to another province. Right. And with a company like Main Street, because we've been on these acquisition streaks, because we're at, I believe, nearly 16,000 units at this point, we can allow that we can help them to make sure they're doing that without incurring the financial penalties of lease breaks, without all the headaches of, right. is this company going to be... They're moving within the same company. It's a nice, seamless process for them. Also, just for the number of people that because of inflationary costs and then the pressure that's put on their households, sometimes they need to, some people need to downgrade. They need something that is maybe just, it's it's a little less than what they would prefer, but it's still a very comfortable quality place. We can accommodate that because we have so many types of mid-market residential buildings and properties as well including our, our heritage collection. So that's one thing students really seem to like, I'll say. But really, it's it's just about being responsive and building in proactivity. But at the same time, and I realize how counterintuitive it sounds, proactivity in terms of making sure we're anticipating whatever we can, but responsiveness and making sure that we are immediately creating solutions for anything that we didn't anticipate. And of course, in the rental business, as you know, so much is un- is, is not, not easily anticipated. Of course. Yeah. So I'm, but having the right people on the front lines on that are probably crucial as well to being able to handle Absolutely. those kind of situations and, and, and work under pressure. And our ground team have been incredible. 90% of the yeah. solutions come to the executive from the ground team. And that's one reason <laughs> that it's so important for us to have an open door, non-hierarchical. That's the way that Main Street is structured. Bob has always been passionate about that. Mm-hmm. It also promotes that inclusivity that we're so proud of, but that's that's the whole thing is team feedback, factoring that in immediately. Good point. Awesome. Awesome. Now, this is almost my last question, and it's just it's a very simple question is to David. Do you have any final words of advice for international students looking to rent in Canada over the next three years and the best way to obtain safe and affordable accommodations? Well, I'll, I'll reiterate, you know, the things that, that we focus in on. And, and that is, you know, one, make sure you're doing your research before you arrive. Vacancy rates are so tight that if you're, expect, if you're thinking about showing up here in Canada and then simply waltzing into your first rental unit, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Mm-hmm. And there's huge financial risk associated with not doing your research. Research is critical, number one. As it gets closer to that date of making that first inquiry, make sure that you're filling that inquiry out properly so that you're really selling yourself as a prospective tenant so that you get that uh, the attention of uh, the, uh, end, uh, the person at the other end of that inquiry. So selling yourself as a prospective tenant, really important. And three, when you arrive uh, for that first meeting, Make sure you show up prepared for that meeting. Mm-hmm. Can't re, uh, reinforce those uh, three steps enough. As well, we've always encouraged people to be diligent. Make sure that they are up to date on the latest scams because scam artists are changing all the time. We always say, you know, it's not an endemic problem, but when it happens to you, it's a really big problem. So make sure that you're, 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 you're constantly aware of what's going on in the marketplace. And as much as you know, we give that advice and particularly stress the importance of research to our in, international student and permanent resident audience, reinforce this message to you know, the landlords who are listening in on this. And our Rentals for Newcomers site is a great opportunity for landlords to, you know, research and get to know better the value of newcomers, permanent residents, and international students as prospective tenants. Mm-hmm. Some people in, in the audience may have a long-held belief that, you know, newcomers that are arriving you know, are not going to simply because they don't have that job offer or credit history, right. they're going to be a real risk. The, the profile of who's arriving is changing all the time. Right. These, there's a real uh, return on investment opportunity 
with this audience. I think we only have to look at Main Street Equity Corp as uh, you know proof of that. Mm -hmm. Their financial performance as a publicly traded uh, company shows that you're able to make money on a strategy of accommodating newcomers and international students. You know, as important as it is for newcomers to do their research, international students to do their research, I really, you know, encourage landlords uh, to to revisit newcomers as uh, uh, tenants and uh, valuable tenants. Right. It's funny because I actually I have an international student coming in who was coming in for two weeks and staying at my rental, basically doing their research on the ground um, and looking around to kind of but they're staying in a place that is not in Toronto, not in in the the you know the urban metropolitan area because it's expensive. So they're doing it in a way that's probably cost effective for them before they come and actually find their permanent their permanent place. And if you have the means to potentially do that, then I would recommend potentially doing something like that so that you can actually see and feel where you're where you're renting. And and if you have to drive an hour to get there, then it's not the worst thing for you to have to do. But uh, or Uber or whatever it is. But that was just something that came up and I was kind of funny that we were having this conversation where this person came to me and said they were an international student looking for for housing. So well, well just to add to that point, and sorry Jesse for inter- interjecting, you know, w- one other thing that we stress to our overseas audience as well is exactly what you were alluding to, Nicolina. And that is if you haven't already made that decision around what school you're going to if you're an international student, mm-hmm. or if you haven't already made that decision around what city that you're going to land in if you're coming as a permanent resident. We're encouraging our audience to think about options that are outside of the gateway cities Mm -hmm. because it is, you know, there's a real opportunity either as an international student or as a permanent resident, there's a greater likelihood of building a better, more affordable lifestyle in other cities outside of the gateway cities and bringing this back to you know the 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 landlords who are in our audience you know if you've got a place in Fredericton if you've got a place as Main Street does have across Winnipeg and Saskatoon Regina Mm -hmm. Calgary Edmonton we're encouraging our audience to look at these places because there's the research has shown that there's going to be a better financial outcome for for, for newcomers and inter, international students. So that's a piece of advice that we're really focused in on with our pre-arrival audience, and that comes back to research as well. Right, and that doesn't mean that you don't you can't go to a a, a high class Ivy League school either with remote options and other things with with online virtual schooling too it's like you can potentially be a student and live comfortably and not spend too much while also getting an education in Canada so i mean explore those options as well i think if if it's an opportunity or a possibility for you too absolutely now, Jesse, I-, I wanted to extend the question to you just because I feel like you might have something more to add here as well. Thank you so much. Well, I, I appreciate that opportunity. There's just a couple of things that I, I want to make sure that we-, we get a chance to air in here because David just raised such an excellent point about landlords need to realize the value proposition for themselves, not just for their that they present to their customers. Right. We have seen tremendous success with these demographics and really it's incredibly important that that at this point in the housing crisis we're not overlooking any demographic especially one that you know a recent report indicates is some cases are paying 25% higher rents than many other uh, rental renters in the market but i think the key issue that we need to really drive home here is that at the end of the day, the reason you need to plan ahead, the reason you need to stand out, the reason we need landlords looking at these prospects with with new eyes and with getting rid of some of the maybe old myths, et cetera, that are associated with student rentals is because this this is we have no new supply coming online that's anything significant enough that we can speak about it. CMHC, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, said in June that 3.5 million more homes need to be built by 2030 to reach affordability. We're, we're miles away from that, first of all. We know mm-hmm. that. There are many hurdles to this in terms of uh, land costs, et cetera, for, for development. So, you know, then we also see 
challenges where BC and Toronto capped their rent increases at 2.5% this year, despite inflation being significantly higher, which puts landlords in a tough position again there. Beyond which, you know, uh, the reality is that student housing is rarely accounted for in urban planning. So we, we see at a municipal level that they are dealing with a lot of the fallout from uh, from this, but they're not involved in the policy right. making decisions. That's that's too often happening at a provincial or federal level. So we definitely need to hope that we can get all three levels of government talking. But, but at the end of all of it, really, I, I know there's also continuing pressure on post-secondary institutions to start building their own. This is prohibitive as well. They're quite often in densely populated areas and with very expensive land around them that prohibits it. But then further, universities aren't generally in the property management business. And uh, they've not always necessarily done the best job in terms of delivery, especially when it comes to affordability historically with that. So it's really something where we need a lot of private sector initiative here to start you know, we can't wait for government to move. We can't wait for universities to, to hopefully get everything in place that they would need to build these. We have these students coming and we need to make sure that as a country, as landlords, we're doing everything possible to make sure they have a place to land so they can make that incredible economic contribution, make that cultural contribution and come and participate in this incredible project called Canada that we're also proud to be a part of and, and to continue building together, you know. I think we should be flattered by the incredible numbers of people that want to come here, that want to participate, want to join us. And I think we should do everything we can to welcome them. And that means it starts with housing. Perfect, Jesse. I think you just solidified your title at Main Street with that whole whole <laughs> spiel, culture, inclusivity, all communications. You got it all right there. Thank you. I appreciate it, Nicolina. <laughs> I want to thank you both so much for joining me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And if you don't mind sharing where listeners can learn more about rentals for newcomers and where they can access resources, David, do you want to share that? And then Jesse, can you share uh, where renters can find more information on Main Street Equity? Absolutely. So for all of you listening here, you can visit rentalsfornewcomers.com. And I think as well that it's important that you understand rentalsfornewcomers.com is part of a, a, a network of sites. And our, our sister site is Prepare for Canada. So we've been prepareforcanada.com. So you can do a little bit more research about us through for the prepareforcanada.com site as well. But we've been in the business of helping newcomers for, for uh, you know, and I've personally been in this business for over 15 years. But as uh, Prepare for Canada and Rentals for Newcomers, we've been operating for, for 12 years. Rentals for Newcomers has just been in the business for, for a year. We're, we launched through the pandemic. So now that the borders have reopened, we're starting to see a great participation. To everyone who's listening, if you are a RentSync customer, it is easy to get your listings integrated into the Rentals for Newcomers site through their listings integrations program. Our listings are free. So, so you know, if you are prepared mm-hmm. to entertain newcomers as, a, uh, as tenants, get your listings on our site for free through the listings integration. And I'm just going to close with one, you know, anecdote, you know, to uh, we previously, Nicolina, Jesse, you were both talking about the, the, the benefits and the economic impact of newcomers. Just to illustrate that, we'll give you an example of a newcomer who showed up here in Canada. And I've mentioned this example to Jesse before. He and his wife arrived on Christmas Day this in 2021. You know, no job offer, no credit history. But we know what it's like arriving, you know, at that period of time. There's a slowdown around, you know, everything. employers looking to, to hire. There's a slowdown around everything, hiring, housing, everything. Mm-hmm. The, by mid-January, when the HR departments were open and active for business again, uh, this guy had been knocking on doors. He was at his desk in his first job in Canada by February 1st with a great paying job as a project management manager in a big food distribution company. And his wife, who was a chemical engineer, 
landed a job, not as an engineer, but in a related field a, a couple of months shortly after that. And they had knocked on the doors of nine organizations before someone said, we'll give you a chance. And I think, you know, for those previous, those nine doors that were knocked on, that the doors were slammed on this fellow's face and his wife, mm -hmm. you lost out on an opportunity for a client who, you know, has home ownership yeah. in his line of sight three years down the road. Sure. He's going to be a great paying customer that is not going to risk his credit history. Of course. Because of that goal. Yeah, absolutely. So really want to reinforce the, the value of these people as tenants. And I think that example just, just illustrates that. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay, Jesse, can you share with, with us how people can get to know and, and connect with Main Street and get to know your buildings and all that if they don't already? So the best place to learn about the company and, and see everything that we have to offer is mainst.biz. That is our website. So M-A-I-N-S-T dot B-I-Z. But I also want to just say to any other Rensing customers, first of all, obviously, we're huge fans of Rensing. We've had nothing but great experiences. Same with rentals for newcomers. There's a reason that we work together so frequently on projects. And it's not because RFN doesn't deliver anything. It's because they deliver everything and they're excellent partners. But Nicolina, the, the other thing I really just want to make sure that everyone knows is the most exciting and fun place to find us. And please make sure your like, follow, subscribe is on our socials. Find us on Instagram. Uh, find us on Twitter at Rep Main Street. If you go to mainst.biz, you'll be able to find the links to all of our socials. We've just made a couple changes, but we're on Facebook. We're on TikTok now. We'd love to show you some of Addie's <laughs> incredible tips for student rentals. So yeah, come and find us. Yeah, I think we'll go. I'll be going going to follow him. Yeah, after this. About time. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you both for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom with us today and for taking the time to join me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And until next time, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in the show, Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.